I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Kia ora, welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod. I'm Ross Carl, joined in studio as usual by James Parsons. Down with the New Zealand Māori team, the Māori All Blacks in Wellington. Bryn Hall beaming into us, usually at this time Bryn's you know, still partying after a final, but he got that out of the way a week ago, so we're ready to chat some code. <laughs> He's, looking oh, there fresh. Is, He's looking fresh. He's looking fresh. That's just a cheap shot. He's looking <laughs> fresh. <laughs> That's, That's, on the yeah. other hand, Chipper over here, he's not quite as fresh. Oh, no, I'm fresh. I'm fresh. It's been a couple of days. Couple of days, but no, look. Well, I, saw him, I saw him on TV as well. I saw him on TV and a couple of Instagram posts with Chipper in the background, so... Fair play to you, Chip, mate. Fair oh, play to you. I was pretty happy. Uh, it was good to see the club uh, get to celebrate a, a victory in a final. Uh, 18 years in the in the wings, and uh, yeah, pretty pretty happy. A lot of work's gone in behind the scene by a lot of people, and um, it, was, it was a good good night for the club, and I think the city as well. They're a big motivating factor for the team. Uh, getting our community and our fans back behind us and actually liking us yeah. uh, is a big factor. Mate, you're going to be smiling all the way through next season. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, for a couple couple more days. <laughs> yeah, look, we'll get to the final really soon, but, of course, there's bigger news at the moment, and that is the All Blacks selection. Five new All Blacks, well, four new All Blacks and five uncapped All Blacks, um, if you look at the George Bauer selection. We've got Ethan de Groot, or is it Groot? I don't know. Um... Ethan Blackadder, Finlay Christie, Quinn Tupaya. Now, Quinn, you were there for, for Quinn's announcement. Tell us about yeah. how that was. Yeah, it was real funny. I think um, I think there's a little bit of an awareness that, you know, there's possibly one of our midfielders making it. And I think with a few injuries with Anton being, um, he was named, but, you know, possibly being injured and then Jack being injured as well. So, um, yeah, Quinn had no idea. It was real. It was a really special moment, actually. Um, yeah, Roger Randall, I think, had a little bit of an inkling, and so he was just constantly looking at him like this to try not to give it away and would look straight back or, like, look in the distance thinking they're like, oh, I can't, I'm not, not seeing you, I don't know what's happening. Um, but, yeah, yeah, his name was called, and um, you yeah, got a great ovation from the boys, and, yeah, look, he was, he, he obviously, he had no idea that it was coming, so um, he called his family away, and then he's actually gone into camp, I think he's gone, he's going into camp, he's left, he's left us this morning, had breakfast with him, and, yeah, what an exciting opportunity for him, I think. Um, those kind of announcements to be there a part of, um, it's pretty special. And so it'll be something that he's really looking forward to. You ever say it's pretty well done by the All Blacks coaches? I mean, putting him, you presume they already knew he was in the in the All Blacks team, but of course he was going to be in the, in the Māori All Blacks team as well. So to put him in there so he had no suspicion of what might be coming up, it's quite a clever play. Yeah, well, massive because, you know, there's a, a couple of other, I suppose, positions around the loose forwards that, could have been in both the Maldives and the and the All Blacks, and you sort of saw the Maldives name, and you're like, oh well, they must be in the All Blacks, and sort of didn't expect anyone to be jumping from one team to the next. Uh, so yeah, no, it was it was a great ploy, um, but it, I think fully deserved. Um, you know, obviously Nani's departure and then a few injuries um, that Bryn sort of alluded to, and and the fact that I suppose there's a lot of guys that uh, have the ability to play 13 and can move to the wing. Um, probably counted against um, you know Lester Fianuku and 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 maybe Jonah Nariki to fill that sort of space around that wing spot, and they they wanted to take a genuine 12, genuine midfielder, and believe they had guys that could cover positions in, in other spaces. So 
that makeup of the squad allowed for a, for a genuine out and out midfielder to be picked. Yeah, Braden Enno came to fitness and form just at the right time. Yeah, he did. I think you know came back from um, a pretty devastating injury in that North versus South last year, and you know worked really really hard in, in the off season. And um, you know full credit to actually our our, our physio staff and um, better getting him back to where he needed to be because he actually ended up coming better. Uh, better player with the scores within uh, his strength and his power and his speed, which were already off the charts before he did his ACL. So um, he did really well to to get back and um, come back in the Trans Tasman and and got a few a few good games in him under his belt. So I think the fact that he is you know an out and out centre an out and out centre, which is probably um, a good position for him. And um, you know especially in that role, you've got a, a lot of a, a lot of those players, Anton Quinn, even da- oh, probably Quinn, those two can alter, alternate between twelve and thirteen, whereas Braden's an out and out thirteen. So um, yeah, the, the form did come at the right end of the, end of the year. And, um, you know, it's, again, another opportunity for a guy that hasn't played a lot of rugby at that environment. And um, he's going to test himself in these, these few games coming up in the next couple of weeks. Do you see Quinn coming? Did you, did you, did you think this guy's definitely going to make it? Oh, I think we always knew he was going to be an all-black. I mean, yeah. we spoke in depth uh, during uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa how impressive he was. I've always been a big fan of his. He got that injury, um, we, you know, just as he was starting to have you know, great success at, in, in Aotearoa and then Alex Nangerville stepped up uh, massively for the Chiefs. Then he came back and I think that performance um, against the Rebels um, was, was outstanding and then he backed it up against the Waratahs the following week and, and I suppose those sort of performances nailed down. He, you know, he only had three games in that Trans-Tasman but statistically he was off the charts, he was involved heavily and, and his skill set um, you know, is, is right up there. He probably doesn't uh, he isn't the complete package yet. You know, he probably doesn't have that kicking game, but in terms of his, his attacking game with ball in hand and and you know his physicality and defence, he and it's also his, his physicality and, and willingness to want to clean rucks and and all those sorts of little extra effort areas um, and and support lines and and wanting to connect with his teammates and those sorts of things is um, you know the uncoachable stuff um, and that's either in you or it's not. Um, he he's high in so. You know that when he gets an environment like the All Blacks, his game's going to only go from strength to strength. And uh, looking forward to seeing, I suppose, the battle between um, you know Dave Havili, who's been exceptional and got himself back in there. You know now himself in there for the, this June series to to get some minutes in that black jersey and, and put their hand up for um, you know, rugby championship. Oh, Anton's got a slight injury, right? So you'd have to think that Havili's got the inside running to get that first start at twelve, wouldn't you, Brent? Yeah, I think so, and you know it comes through injuries and that kind of stuff. But I think it, it's warranted on his form throughout the whole year. Um, you know, he was tremendous in the Super Rugby Aotearoa. We talked around that a lot during that kind of period of, period of play, and then obviously in Super Rugby Trans Tasman, kind of had that form again. So um, yeah, if it's warranted on <clears throat> on form, Davies um, got the opportunity to do that, and then again, it's it can be interesting, interesting to see who they put at centre. They put do they put Braid in there, who spent a bit of time um, with David Drew out throughout the year and have a combination already, or and do they go in a different direction with Quinn um, as well? Or, you know, obviously Anton being injured as well. So, um, yeah, but Davey, I think, look, he's probably the former 12 in, in the comp, um, especially in New Zealand. That's my, that's my belief behind it. So um, you wouldn't be surprised to see him um, getting the first crack in the first game. If we go back to uh, the old cohesion factor. Cohesion factor. Let's yeah. Ben Darwin, back <laughs> yeah. ben Darwin I think, with, with Richie there, um, you know, you'd have to think that, that combination, that 10-12, Combination, um, you know, they'll, they'll look to give that a run mm. first and foremost. But honestly, I think he, you know, Quintapaya, you know, give him an opportunity if he can deliver that sort of performance that we saw against the Rebels. Um, he's he's got a huge opportunity to, you know, almost stamp his mark and, and hold a position in this All Black squad for a long time. Yeah, I mean, he's an interesting fella because you know we were all talking about Nani until three weeks ago, and then the announcement that Nani was leaving happened. So. Three weeks ago, you would have called Quintupire a bolter. But now that we've known Nani's going, he's no, not really a bolter, is he? He's a form player within the All Blacks team. Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, bolters are... <laughs> I don't think there are bolters as such anymore. Um, yeah. But I, I think he's caught a lot of people by surprise. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, it's not that you were expecting him to be picked, but you're not shocked that he's going to be an All Black either. So... Um, mm. It's yeah. I, I suppose he, in this day and age, he could be termed a bolter. But I certainly am not surprised to see him being an All Black in terms of his performance. Like I said, statistically, over this whole season from Super Rugby Aotearoa and 
um, trans-Tasman, his numbers, you know, warrant selection. Stack up. Uh, another person who wanted selection has big numbers, Ethan Blackadder. Give us a bit of insight into Ethan. You know, what has made him an all-black? Obviously, he's got good lineage, but, you know, he's put in a lot of work over a few years. Yeah, he has, I think, his work ethic and work rate is, is, is second to none, and you know, that's probably his massive characteristic that, he, that he's having. A lot of people would say it's those second efforts that Jip talked around. Efforts, second efforts, uh, working off the ball um, that you don't see unless you, you know, obviously understand a bit around footy. Um, you see those kind of attributes. And then his biggest thing is he's, he's physical, um, loves the contact area. You know, he'll tackle, he'll tackle a wooden, a wooden stump if he had to. So, but I think the biggest, evolve, the biggest improvement that he's had actually is probably his skill set. Um, especially this year for us off our lineouts, we had a, if we had a short man lineout, five man or a four man, and Richie would give the pass to a four. He was predominantly the main guy that we'd use due to his skill set to be able to get it out the back and put players into space. So um, that's been a massive improvement that Ethan's worked on the last probably 20, uh, 12 to 24 months and probably saw really how really how beneficial it was for us in our game with his skill set. So um, he's got a great growth mindset as well and um, you know he'll just put his head down, go to work and um, he'll, he'll go into the environment and learn as much as he can like a sponge, but I think um, you know the improvements that he's made, I definitely reckon around his skill execution and his skill set has been a massive improvement and probably led him to, yeah, being an all-black this year. So second efforts, that's getting back up the off the ground after you made a tackle, that's a second effort. Yeah, so I think, and, and what enables you after you have those second efforts is, is that high work rate. So Ethan, when you look at him statistically, he, he has high numbers in carries, he has high pass numbers, he has high tackle numbers, he has high ruck numbers. So you have to be constantly on your feet to be able to do that. And, and once he makes one impact, he's looking for another, he's looking for another. And, and I think that's what Bryn's getting at. He's always involved, he's always putting himself in a position to be involved. And, and I think there's, there's one thing doing those second efforts, um, but then it's been effective in those and and putting yourself in a position to do things you can do second efforts and still be ineffective because you know but he's got he's always had a big motor so he's fit as well but he's he's put on a bit of size i, I feel this season like especially in super rugby i'd say oh, you know he's averaging you know i think probably between five and a half to seven meters and per carries and, and that's that's quite that's quite a decent um about a meters if you think you got to get a few post contact meters there and I don't know if that would have been the case a year ago. So he's put on a bit of bulk and, he, and he's really coming out through the other side of defences. And then, you know, his passing game. So he's, he's got those high carry getting through there, using a bit of footwork, skill set, but he's got those high pass numbers. So you, you can't just think he's going to carry all the time. He's, he's not a one-trick pony. You have to be alive in case he passes as well, which then gives him the ability to make you think. And then, you know, that creates a little bit more metres in his carry as well. And then... I think the most important thing is he's around a 90% tackler, but he's also dominant with a lot of his tackles. So he's ticking a lot of the boxes, and that's probably why he's you know got the nod ahead of guys like Tom Robinson and, and Cullen Grace, who was obviously there previously. Um, it's not that those guys don't have the same mindset. It's just that he's probably do it, done it on a more um, spread-out time over the season um, you know, than, than they have due to the fact that they were probably injured or um, haven't, haven't got on the field as many times due to, I suppose, um, competition for spaces in their, in their teams. You know, Tom and Akira were fighting for spots a lot um, and I think, you know, Cullen Grace had to move between eight and six a lot. So um, his consistency in selection helped, but his versatility, Ethan having, he could go between six, seven and eight and I don't, I think his impact mm. didn't change. A lot, you know, like he, he, he made every post a winner every time he went in whatever jersey. And I think that would have, um, you know, John Plumtree would have been liking that. He would have thought, you know, it doesn't matter what jersey he wears. He just gets out there and gets the job done. So what jersey does he wear, though, for the All Blacks? It doesn't matter. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, but I'd say it gives him a great opportunity to be a bench spot. And that versatility um, is, is exciting for a coach to have. Because if someone goes down um, early or, um, you know, it does. It just. Does, it just gives you the ability to, to hold him in the twenty-three, and know that six, seven, or eight goes down. You know, even to the point he, he's quite a good line-out option as well. That you probably chuck him in the second row as well, and he he just put his head down, bum up sort of thing. That's his mindset, and that's his attitude. He just wants to be on the grass. Versatility is that where the loose forward game is at now. You look through this list and. You know, Ethan Black added versatile. Okay, Shannon Frizzell's a straight six. Kira Yuani, six eight. Luke Jacobson, six seven eight. Dalton Papali, six seven eight. 
Adi Savia, seven eight. Like Bryn, is this is this how it is now? You just got to be able to play all three. Well, I think so. I think you know for the fact that um, I guess that's kind of where the hybrid kind of it's it's kind of going. And I think um, you look at a lot of, like you look at Hoskins and Akira. You know they're predominantly we're playing eights when they were younger, but now they have the ability to play six and eight. And so I think it's having to understand as well that for team selections, especially um, in the All Black environment, having the ability to play multiple positions is going to help you with that. And so they probably have their own um, idea of what that starting six, seven, eight will be. But you, like you said, you're around, you know, Ethan and Ethan, and it's been able to have that ability. Or even obviously Luke Jacobson just come back into the fold, being able to have that ability to play six, seven, eight. Um, it's just going to hold you well in good stead to be able to, you know, have that kind of bench role. Or again, you might be able to start through um, through an opportunity. So, but yeah, I think it is the way, especially in New Zealand at the moment, with how many good players there are, having that ability to play not just one position, be an out and out seven or out and out six or eight. Um, it just helps you, um, especially with team selection on the when you do play and being involved in squads as well. So, what do you do when you make up your decision on who's going to play six, seven, and eight? Is it body shapes, skill sets? I mean, how is it more difficult now to make those selections because of that? Uh, yeah, look, I think line-out options comes into it. Um, you know, in terms of what style of play, width, direct. Um, there's, there's many of variables that will come into it, and that's. Uh, I suppose they've already had that discussion when picking this squad, and and they'll have a good idea of the way they want to play, where the evolution of their game wants to go to, building towards 2023, and and that's where they'll be looking in these players, and they'll believe this is the start of that. So I suppose pathway to 2023, and 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 knuckling that in, you know, starting straight away. So let's imagine that these guys are all fit. Um, you know, friend Shannon Brazel's not far out of a moon boot, right? You'd be thinking Hoskins at eight, Shannon at six, and Dalton or Artie at seven, one of those two. I suppose Artie at seven. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard one. It's, it's, mm. it's a hard loose forward trio to pick. I think it's going to be the toughest part of the team to pick. Um, mm. But, I mean, Shannon's... Physicality and dominance throughout Super Rugby Aotearoa was test match level, yeah. wasn't it? You know, and that that was the sort of, you know, I hate to always compare it to, but that Jerome Kaino sort of physicality on on D and and those tough carries and um, and but you know obviously it's that edge skill that we see um, in in Akira that they really liked um, towards the end, but mm. you know you'd probably think that he gets um, you know first crack at it. Uh, you know, Hoskins has been great at eight. Um, you know, Luke Jacobson's there in that discussion as well. Um, Dalton has just been exceptional, um, and, and so is Artie, yeah. and, and where his knee's at. I mean, it's just, I, 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 I'm not trying to sit on the fence here, but it's yeah. just so hard to pick. It yeah. genuinely think, is hard yeah. to pick. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be the toughest decision-making to tell you yeah, who's going to be the six, seven, and eight, but I think the greatest thing, and you know, no disrespect to the opposition that we are playing, those guys are actually going to get opportunities to play. You know, so, you know, sometimes if you're playing, you know, Australia or South Africa back to back, you know, probably the flexibility of, of giving guys opportunity might not be there. But I think for the fact that um, these first, you know, the first three test matches of the year, I think guys are going to get opportunities. And so when they do have the opportunities, they're just going to have to make every post to win it because I think the competition in that, in that department is going to be the toughest throughout the whole year. Well, so uh, on yeah, that point, guys they might say, look, we know enough about an Artie. Mm. We know enough about mm. a Shannon. You know, it might be. Give these guys a crack. Let's let's see what they've got. Yeah. On back-to-back mm. test weeks. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, because it's, it's no secret that Artie's had a tough time with that knee. It might be a just chance to get him under, in there with Gilly and yeah. and, and really get it. You know, I know he wants to play footy, um, 24/7, and and he won't want that. But, you know, it might be an opportunity to just see what other guys have got to go back to back to back mm. at test match level. Yeah, yeah. Now, the other interesting selection here, Finlay Christie, obviously your area of expertise. He's in there. TJ is not available yet for the All Blacks, so Finlay's gone in there. Obviously, Falau Fakatava wasn't available because of injury. Um, but what you've seen of Finlay so far this year, you know, you think he's pretty much in line for, for playing test footy? Oh, I, th- I think so. I think you know probably that Trans Tasman tournament was a really good, um, a good way to see Finn. And I think in the first part of the um, Super Rugby Aotearoa, he had a few injuries and wasn't able to get on the field as much. But you know, I look at the five games that he did play, um, including the, including that final where he was a massive cog in that wheel for how the Blues were so successful. So 
Um, you know, his passing game is great, and then his, his box kicking as well um, has been massive around um, the Blues and the impact that he's had on the game. And so on the weekend as well, he kicked, you know, more than Oatsy and was a real part of them trying to suffocate the Highlanders and putting them in real bad positions to try and get out of their half. So his kicking game has been great for not only this year, but even with his time in Tasman, the growth that he's had in that department has been great. And then defensively as well, he's like a little pocket rocket nugget. You know, there was a lot of times there he made a lot of tackles, but it was more so at the breakdown. I think there was one, um, they made a line break, and he's just flying in like an absolute missile trying mm. to clean out um, one, yeah. of his, one of the players. So, yeah, he's, so he's very physical for a guy that's not, not not really big, but, you know, pound for pound, he gets the job done. So I think the growth and collectively around all that, um, he can show that he can play at tempo with the Blues when they've had that forward going forward and they've had good um, go forward ball. If it's wet, like the, or they want to play a, a kicking-style game like they did on the weekend in that final do that and he's also obviously got the ability defensively and been able to be tough and and clean in rucks and cleaning rucks and that kind of stuff as well so um no, i think it's warranted warranted for sure um and yeah it's going to be a great opportunity for him probably getting an opportunity in the next next three games before the rugby championship and he obviously likes a challenge because when he went to the blues sam knock and jonathan ruru were already there you know it wasn't going to be a straightforward walk into that nine jersey there either was it so he's had to overcome a few things to get his all black jersey yeah he has but i think he he came from Tasman under Leon and, and knew the tax style and, and structures that Leon was probably going to implement. And, and you know, he, he had a lot of success at Tasman. His, his game flourished in that environment. And Bryn sort of touched on it. He's had a few injuries and just hasn't been able to string enough games together to get his game going. But in Trans-Tasman, he's had a string of games and, he's, and we just started mm. to see it these last two or three where his game's just gone up a level, you know, his, his match fitness has gone up a level, his speed to ruck um, has been exceptional, but also his decision making when it hasn't, you know, when it's been wet weather is when he's been able to nail his box kicks. And then we've also seen the little mongrel side of him, which all nines have, I might add. Um, but, you know, he's, he's winning breakdown turnovers, he's cleaning rucks, you know, he's got a tackle percentage of 85%. You know, he, he's not afraid to put his body in front of anyone. Um, so, you know, he, he'll fit right in uh, to the all-black environment around his, his attitude and his eagerness and willingness to learn. So um, it's exciting for him, and um, I don't know if you saw it on the Blues social media mm. page, but um, yep. you know, seeing him around the lads and um, getting, getting that recognition, you can see he's also a great man off the field, and, and there's a lot of love for him in, in every team he goes in. So it's, it's not only is he performing on the field in terms of what he does as a rugby player, but as a bloke. Um, he's a good man as well. That was an awesome moment for him. There was one part of that video that was interesting because Tom Robinson turns around, gives him a congratulation, gets his phone out, he's filming it, <laughs> and then you see the moment he's finished filming, he's back on the desk and he's like looking anxiously at the screen like, <laughs> is my name going to be here or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah. And, and tough on him probably. Yeah, oh, look, uh, I mean, I've, I've got his stats here from Trans-Tasman as well, and that's what I was saying with Ethan Blackett. You talk about a man who talks about double efforts, wants to run through a brick wall for the teams he's involved in. You know, he tackled at 94%, he only missed three tackles, and, and Trans-Tasman played 350 minutes, you know, carries hard, you know, good, good line-out option, you know, good leader. He ticks all the boxes, but it's just in a really jam-packed environment. Kept uh, one of the All Blacks, as in his teammate, Akira Ioani, on the bench for a lot of the season. So, you know, he must be right there. Um, and um, I'm sure that he'll be um, having a conversation or getting some feedback or and knowing Tom and, and the way he wants to um, progress, he'll be asking, you know, where, where do I need to improve and, and how, how can I get better? So uh, he'll keep knocking on the door. He'll be going back to his beloved Northland, um, Tanifar, and, and going up there with a great attitude mindset to, to lead them the way he's led the Blues. Um, to, to no doubt a, another successful season. And there's a very good chance he could end up in black by the end of the year because the loose forwards often fall over at some point. Oh, so he'll get his chance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's just going to keep, you know, he's another one that he's had some injuries and, and like Finlay, he's now starting to string a number of games together at that level. And if he can keep doing that for Northland, you know, there's a lot of test matches this year, um, touch wood. Um, and, uh, you know, like you say, just, just got to keep fit keep knocking the door down, keep putting the performances. As a wise man once told me, your only currency is the performance on Saturday. Um, so if you can keep doing that, keep putting that in front of the selectors, then you're in the front of their mind. Who's the wise man? Liam Barry. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, he would know. He would know. Uh, Lister Fying and Nuku, probably another one of the guys who's hard I just think it's that genuine 12. They wanted yeah. a 12 and they didn't carry that extra sort of centre wing because there's just so many of them. Yeah. It's not a performance thing. No. It's, it's, it's not. It can't be. Uh, yeah, same yeah. with Jonah. I, I just think it was just the makeup of the <coughs> squad and they needed that 12, out and out 12. So give me an insight, Bryn. Like when when one of your mates, you know, who's in line, doesn't quite make it, do you flick him a text? Do you just leave it be? Like, what do you do when a player's in that situation where there's a lot of hype around them, people are talking about them, and then it, it doesn't happen? Yeah, I think yeah, it's tough, and also you know, first and foremost, you're your mate, and you want what's what's best for them. I think um, it's having a good understanding around what their personality is like, and you know, some guys you can probably address it really. Um, head on and saying, you know, tough luck and give them a pat on back and that kind of stuff. Or whereas some others personally, they might just need a bit of time and to be able to um, give them a bit of time to process it and then have a wee little chat with them later on. So I think, you know, understanding what their kind of personality is like and um, the way you do address them because, yeah, it's obviously a, it's a tough, tough conversation to have and you just want the best for your mates. So, um, yeah, that's probably the, the way we probably do it. And, um, yeah, that'd probably be one of the things that you try and do to try and best help your mate who's missed out on, on selection. Mm. Alex Hodgman's one of those guys. Yeah, I look, I, I thought he had two massive games. Like he, you know, obviously came into his own, you know, the um, week before the final and then the final were his two best performances. And, um, you know, just obviously just not enough in terms of obviously Ethan's showing more consistency over the season. Unfortunately, you know, had that slight... Um, hiccup in, in terms of hitting Lynchies in the in the head and got that red card and then obviously stood down for three weeks and you know that's that's a big bulk of the season uh, when when it's quite short like this and then then you know you come back into the team and guys have been performing well so you you, you start on the bench and then you work your way back into starting and he finally got that and he strung three weeks together but just just not enough I, I think his performances um, were really strong when he was in the All Blacks, and that won't be forgotten. I think when he got in the All Blacks last year, he was he looked comfortable. He looked like one of those guys that was comfortable. I mentioned that last week. So again, like um, you know, not saying that there will be injuries or whatever, but if someone falls over, hell of a guy to call on. Yeah. Uh, a true professional will stay ready, will be ready, um, and, and if if needed, um, uh, will be ready to be called on. What do you like about Ethan DeGroote? Um I, I suppose he's he's young, so um, he's he's ready to be coachable, and and he'll go into that environment, um, you know, eyes wide open. Um, and and I think he's got a high work rate. I, I, like if you watch the Waratahs game, like he scored two tries in that game, and he just wanted to carry everything. He wanted to tackle everything. Um, he wanted to scrum every two seconds. And I think you've seen, you know, he didn't get as many opportunities last year, but Every time he's been on the field, whether it's start, starting or coming off the bench, he's he's wanted to, you know, impose himself on the game, which isn't easy to do as a loose head. But it's mm. it's been one of those years where, for some reason, you've been watching these games and you're like, you've walked away from them remembering Ethan DeGroote. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which is hard to do as a loose head prop, but every time you've watched the Highlanders, for some reason, he's always done something that made you remember him. And I think that's why he's there, is, is you haven't been able to ignore his performances. Whether it, I, I don't think it's been about his core roles consistently at this stage. I think it's been more about his work rate, his work ethic. Um, but I think getting in that all-black environment, his scrummaging and, and his line-out work will only go from strength to strength. Yeah, so we, do we need more ball-carrying props? Is, is that where this is at? They're oh, no. For... No, I, I, think, I think we all know that the all-blacks want a complete player in every position. Yeah. Um, so it's not like I think Alex is a ball-carrying prop. I think you know George Bauer is a ball-carrying prop. They're all ball-carrying props. I'm just saying there's something about him this year mm. that was infectious to watch. Yeah. He caught your eye. And every time I was either watching a Highlanders game or I was at the ground live, if I didn't know who it was or I couldn't see who it was, I was like, oh, who is that? Oh, Ethan Grit. You know, like, it, he just something about the season, yeah. he caught my attention. And I think that was the same with a lot of people watching the games. Mm. George Bauer, he got a little bit of attention last year, made the squad. We've had a change of framing. This is amazing. We're a whole, a whole different set. There's Continentals <laughs> coming up for us. 
<laughs> no, I've just got my roommate. I've just got my roommate flown around. So uh, who just, are you in uh, the room with? Didn't want to. I'm with Josh. Oh, actually, friend of the show is uh, Josh Uani, Actually, oh, oh Josh Uani. Come on, Josh. Josh Uani, He's in his in his, in his tower. Just coming over here. Here he is. There he is. Just in the tower. Hey, oh. mate. <laughs> hell, hell of a hell just, of a three point he match the other the, night. He just got out of the sauna. He just got out of the sauna. Obviously, celebrated a little bit for the Hollanders. So, just giving him that sauna. <laughs> I thought he had Sorry, but now we're talking yeah. about George. We're talking about George. I thought Bauer, he kicked yeah? the match-winning yeah. penalty the other night, though, Joshua. I mean, that was a hell of a penalty kick. Yeah, yeah, it was. And at a time where it looked like the, the oh. entire momentum had changed, you must have. Been... Uh, I was devastated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then cometh the man, cometh the hour. Harry Plummer. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> George Bauer. George Bauer. Yes. I was going to say, yeah. Let's let's talk about George Bauer, and Crusaders, mate. Before we go talk about the Blues. Eh? Yeah, sorry, yeah. mate. No. Sorry. Um, no, look, he, he's done really, really well. I think very similar to um, Ethan DeGroote last year, getting the opportunity to be in the All Black environment, was selected last year in that trans, um, rugby championship. Didn't play, obviously, but um, came back and put on a, a, a big amount of weight. I think he put on maybe like seven or eight kgs and um, was obviously a direction the All Black, select, All Black squad um, coaches wanted him to do. And he came out and put on a massive amount of weight in preseason. We saw it and then I was actually better able to fill that out and then be able to put in performances and play some good footy and so I think we talk around I mean guys like Finlay and Ethan guys that have been injured before but then have had opportunities to come in and George has done that through 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 injury with Joe and been able to play more footy this year so um yeah he's done really really well and I guess for him it's um those performances that he had in Super Rugby Transfers and even Super Rugby Outset or been starting and playing consistently it's really warranted his selection because I think last year you know he played a little bit off the bench come in and started a couple games but was actually a really big part of our um, our engine room and um, was really good around his. We talk around second efforts. I think one game that he played against the um, the Brumbies or the Waratahs, he ended up making twenty or tackles. So you're talking about a guy who's a massive amount of work rate with putting on that weight. Um, it's just going to make him um, really going good this year for the back end of that um, All Black series. And you look at some of the guys in here: Carl Tuinakuafe, Angus Tavau. Seasoned campaigners who come into the All Blacks later on in their career, George Bauer is one of those. You learn as you go and you arrive with most of those tools already in place rather than having to learn it as a 22-year-old like Ethan DeGroote's going to have to. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think um, you almost come in with a higher appreciation of the environment you're walking into and also there's no time to lose. You've, you've got to make it work now because you know that if you don't there will be a younger Ethan the group that has got time and they will they sort of know they've got time to work with a player that's younger whereas if you don't make every post a winner when you come in as an older um, selection uh, you can be you know cast aside if you if you don't nail it and he obviously really nailed his time in that environment you know even though he wasn't playing he obviously did the business and then he took everything on board, put on the weight, and now has learned to carry it. Because mm. it's one thing putting on the weight, but then learning to carry mm. it and, and put it into your game and not lose your game is, is another mm. thing. So he, he's obviously done it the, the right way and, and, and handled himself in that sense and, and added to his game. Um, so, and I, I think Jace Ryan's been a massive part of, of making sure he's, yep. he's got that right. Jace Ryan gets a lot of kudos around the place. You hear a lot of chat about Jace Ryan. He's, he's good at what he does. I think it's like, from the outside looking in, I think it's like he, he almost treats every front rower as a son. <laughs> like, he's got genuine yep. care and empathy for every front rower. Like, he, he, he just wants to see uh, them do well. And, he, and it's like that. He's that, you know, the best coaches are the teachers, you know, and they, and they have genuine yep. care and empathy um, for each each player, it doesn't matter if they're the Joe Moody of a nearly 100 test or you know, they're working with an academy player that hasn't even been found. He's the same. Yeah. You, know, you yeah. get the same I think, care yeah. and attention, which I think... Yeah, I think what Jace does really, really, really well is, um, is you, like, like you said, Joe has a real deep care for, for the individual and the player. And so I think when you've got that kind of coaching style where as a player, you know, oh, this guy actually really cares about me and wants the best for me, but... You know, can pat you on the back, but then can be really hard on you. And like, you know, there's been a few, obviously, us nights we don't do a lot in the forward work, but if we go to scrum, scrum trainings or um, do some channel work, or whether it be just getting um, OT ball off the top of the line out, his accountability that he puts on those players is massive. So he's got a really good ability, and the, the, the great coaches do have a good ability to be able to um, to care for you and you know give you a pat on the back when you need it. 
but at the same time, if you need to be held accountable because you're not doing your job, he's a he's a pretty fiery guy and pretty good at holding those boys accountable as well. Sounds like a little bit of Mike Cron about him. Yeah, but I think just authentic and genuine. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. and I think front rowers like it straight between the eyes, um, so it works well. It's a good uh, good good method. A hundred percent. Hey, well, let's get on to this game on the weekend. We've been waiting for the, you've been waiting for the punishment. Here it comes. Here it comes. The Blues. For 60 minutes, the first 60 minutes, there was only one team that looked like they were going to win that game. Um, they played pretty well, and then suddenly, those landers stuck in there. And it. Well, the landers, to be fair, stuck in there for that 60 because the Blues played exceptionally well, created a hell of a lot of opportunities. You know, even at the 30-minute mark, it was 70% possession and 60% territory to the Blues, and and they'd had six line breaks to zero, and and but you only had one try to show for it, and a couple of penalties, and and you knew that the Landers were just holding on, and they're chipping away with those penalties, and and you just. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Although the Blues had that scrum dominance, you, you just knew that they needed that try, that, that second try, just to put the game out of reach. And, and I think when Billy Harmon stripped that one off Hoskins to do underneath the posts, and then they, and the momentum shift around that 58-minute mark from that strip they got a couple of piggyback penalties. They took the three, then they took another three, and then and then Josh's Joshuani's, you know, big penalty um, that made them take the lead. You know, after all that sustained pressure that they absorbed, yeah. I mean, three times the amount of tackles they had to make compared to the Blues. You just thought, man, is is that a crushing mental blow yeah. for the Blues? And, and is this the lift that the Highlanders need just to bring this home in the last 15 minutes? But you have to credit the leaders of, of the Blues that were out on that field. Because um, let's not forget, Patrick was subbed before Josh Goodhue got um, a head collision. He was subbed, so, uh, you know, and Tom Robinson didn't play. So there were, there were guys, not the big leaders out there, but there were guys out there that had to take charge and, and bring this game home. And... They got themselves in a position through, you know, Harry nailing a penalty and then, you know, Jared Kelly, Toyota destroying that ruck, Hoskins getting the turnover and wading his way through and, and then Blake Gibson scoring um, to, to clinch the game. But, you know, that was, that was a telling of, I believe, the evolution of that group and, and I suppose their experience that, a lot of people say, well, what's changed, what's different? Well, they've, they're, there's a big core group there that have had four or five, six years of Super Rugby experience and the, you know, a, a lot of downs, as, as everyone likes to keep reminding them, but that experience paid the dividends for them in a really tough, pressure situation to go behind after such dominance to then go, no, no we just need to remain calm here and chip away and get the win um, and do it. You know, quite comfortably in the end was, I think, a real sign of strength for where that team can go because I think they admit themselves that wasn't a clinical performance or a perfect performance, but it was almost a bigger show of growth than anything else than beating by 20 or 30, quite frankly, because to to win the game from the 16-15 mark after that dominance and under that sort of pressure was was yeah. huge, I believe. 
sitting back watching it. Bryn, did you have the same feeling? Yeah, I did. Like, if you look at all the stats, if you look, if you don't look at the scoreboard and you just looked at the stats that were there, you would have thought it would have been a, a 20, 30 point um, win for the Blues because they just dominated possession of territory. Um, you know, you look at the they had 12 clean breaks, the Islanders had zero. Um, so, uh, Phoenix beat him with 31 and the Highlanders at eight. So, they had so many opportunities and probably the execution and being a little bit more clinical, they probably would have run away with the game. But I think another big, massive uh, growth in where they've come and especially in pressure situations like that was their kicking game. I alluded it to early, early in the pod with obviously Finlay Christie and his, it was more so just the understanding of, of when to kick. Um, you know, the exit zone, they had a pretty clear plan. They, did, they didn't want to play a lot on their half and Finn did a really good execution of his box kicks. And, you know, I thought the, the, the running of the kicks only as good as you're chasing. Bryce Heem and Mark Tilly were really good around that area, getting that ball back or just flooding through and making the Highlanders, putting them under pressure, slowing down their ball and then teeing off of them in their defense. Like the Blues' defense on the weekend was 90%. You know, you've talked about winning championships. It's based more so around your defense. And when you're operating at 90%, it goes a long way to winning a game. And then just coming back to the kicking game, I'm obviously Finn and understanding that if you're not going anywhere, you know, they tried to play a little bit in, in their half a little bit, four or five phases, slowed it right down, knowing that it's not where they go, it's not there to go to play. And then between him and Oti, having that communication, uh, putting up the decibel kicks and then putting them in the hurt locker and putting them under pressure and going out of their half. So, you know, we did that a lot in, in, in Christchurch around the Crusades when it's quite wet. And, and Joey, we did a lot of box kicks, and obviously with Liam McDonald having a bit of, having a pretty good understanding with Tasman having a similar game plan to that, especially wet conditions. Um, they did that a lot, and then I thought Zahn Sullivan's kicking game was massive as well. Um, his long plugs with his left boot, putting them out of trouble, putting them in good positions, and times that he actually did kick, there were a couple of kicks that he was under a lot of pressure, and you'd think, well, oh, this could be a charge down here, it could change momentum, but he put them some great kicks under pressure, putting them in the right ears of the park. And I just felt it just suffocated the Highlanders um, the whole game. And, you know, you look at that kind of 60 minutes to 63rd minute mark, you know, when Nagy decided to take three points at that time. I was thinking, you know, do they go for the corner? They've got the ascendancy. Do they want to try and, um, you know, they've got a great line-out drive that they scored a lot of tries. They've got a lot of bunch of plays around the specials that would have put the Blues under pressure. But they got that penalty. And then Joshua only got that kick not too long after due to sustained pressure from the Highlanders. So... Um, but no, I thought the Blues kicking game was really, was really, really good, and the the points that Drippard uh, touched on, um, and it was kind of the game where you'd rather win ugly and win a championship than win with a great playing uh, a loss playing great. So um, it's massive for their city. I know being from Auckland, how much that's going to mean to them. And Jips talks about there's been a lot of hard work that's been done, not just this year, but through a long period of time, and um, you know it's going to be. And also, got to admit, got to say to Harry Plum as well, those kicks under pressure. Um, they're massive and you know you saw on the Blues Instagram and even the boys you can tell how much they they appreciate Harry and how much it meant to him and um, it was a great way for them for him to have his own little um, spot on the game which was great yeah he's a guy who's got his critics you know people because he came with such a big reputation at the start people have kept a close eye on him and, and when things have gone right or wrong but he, he stepped up oh mate like that was that penalty was huge but the conversion was even bigger because there's still time left mm. so to take it out with eight and, and he just nailed it. Um, and, you know, he, he's won a title doing that with Auckland and, and now in a, a crucial moment um, for the Blues, he stood up and, and you know, that, that was the winning of the game. Because if he, if he doesn't get that penalty, it's, it's, we're potentially talking a different story here yeah. today. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a massive play. Massive play, and it's great for him, it's great for his confidence, and it's great for where he can springboard now because he's now done it at, at super rugby level, and, and now he, he just knows he, he can do it. So he, he'll, yeah. he'll be away. Yeah, so I mean, whether that's at 10 or 12, I suppose we'll, we'll come to see, but Otere Black's not going to be there anymore. So if Bowden needs a backup, um, I suppose it's between him and Zahn Sullivan in, in the future. We've got Stevie Perifetta oh, there as well. as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think, um, yeah, Plums is there. I think Zahn's looking like he's enjoying himself at 15. So I think there's plenty of coverage there. So um, that, that can be 2022's problem. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just enjoy I think, uh, the, the victory. I think one stage. thing is, well, I think that. 
I think the Highlanders probably would have seen if they could really, because um, you know the physicality and the on defence and attack um, at the breakdown, you know the Blues were, were outstanding. But I thought another one as well was their set piece chip was really good. You know the thirteen from fifteen in their lineouts, which is like eighty seven percent in their, in their scrums. They didn't have any scrums, but you oh, know the crucial scrum, moment when you need your forward pack. The scrum got the only you try. To, that was the that was the crucial. Yeah. That was the crucial. That Correct. was that was massive all night. Like they had serious dominance, and they turned yep. down early points for that first try. And at the time, I was thinking, oh, that's a bold call, you know, because they went to the corner, didn't quite get it, they got another penalty and they chose the scrum. And that they needed that scrum dominance yep. to really, because then they got the advantage to allow the crossfield kick. So the, the scrum yeah. dominance was huge. The line-out was huge because, you know, everyone had been on their case around, you know, the force stealing a few in the second half um, the week before. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was massive, but just their, their work ethic and willingness to keep turning up for each other on D, you mentioned it, but there was one moment when Kurt Eklund covered a chip, chip kick from Jonah Nareki that if, if he hadn't done it, Jonah scores mm. and they potentially, you know, lose the game. Yeah. And, and that's such yeah. a massive moment for a hooker to turn sprint and being a foot race with Jonah Nareki is it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> and, and like I spoke to Curdy after the game about it, and you know, like he's just like, I'm just doing my job. You know, he, there's no fanfare. Like, yeah. And that's, that's the sort of you know, attitude you want to keep in and around it. Yeah, he's just doing I just want to touch on that. Um, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that. Um, I don't know the viewers, I did the first try with the, the crossword kick you talked about, Joe. And, like, just wanted to talk around that scenario. And, like, people at home, I remember they were talking about it on air around, like, they had to put two on the on the, on the the blind side. So they had a 10 and a winger, and they only had one Bryce Hemmer on the on the blind for, for the Blues. But the ability of having with a dominant scrum, that's what that's what that pressure does to you. So that kick by Oatsy, the reason why it makes it so much more easy is because they put an extra one over there with Hoskins, sorry, with the threat of Hoskins and how much of a dominant ball runner he is. So... Mm. Um, when you've got a dominant scrum like the Blues had on the weekend, um, you know, that especially just in particular that try, his ability to have that ball off the back of the scrum opens up opportunities for when Oates has obviously seen that kick to Mark Clear. But yeah, man, I thought especially that penalty, I don't know, I don't know what minute it was, it was late late in the piece, but they've got a dominant uh, penalty and then they went down the corner. I think that's when Carrie Palmer got, got the kick after that. But yeah, the Blues set piece, mate. I think if the Highlanders would have thought, you know, if they can get a bit of ascendancy there around mucking up their line out and then you know, getting a few scrum penalties. Uh, but no, they dominated in all facets when it came to their set piece. It was pretty pretty impressive to see. Mm. Uh, let's talk about Oteri Black. I mean, he's going, TJ Fayane's going, Tom Sanders is going, Lockie Bashir's going, Nani Lamape is going. But Oteri Black, you know, he moved to Auckland, you know, with this opportunity to be the guy who leads the, the Blues around the field. He's done a pretty good job of it while Bowden's been away. That's a big loss, isn't it? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think so because we've we've seen time and time again, and I'll use you know Crusaders, but you know also ourselves now I suppose, and, and other teams that have done so well is when you have depth to call on, that's what's going to give you the ability to go and get titles. Um, you know the, the Highlanders referenced it themselves; they said they had 13 injuries, and and you know they they were just holding on, and if you don't have the depth to call on. Um, it, it, it just handbreaks you. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he's going to be a massive loss, and he was a key part to, to getting the Blues a title on, on the weekend. Um, but as we've seen, I mean, you sort of referenced it before that, you know, three weeks ago we spoke about Nani. Well, I mean, probably five weeks ago we spoke about Nani on here and how amazing he was and how, you know, he'd grown his game. Three weeks ago we hear he's leaving. But now here we're talking about Quintapire and where his game's gone to. So the one thing we are fortunate with here in New Zealand is, is one does depart. It is disappointing, but we do, and we are a fortunate nation in, in the fact that we do have systems and pathways where there is someone that normally <laughs> steps in and, and takes the role. But it's 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 that experience and IP they take with them. It's that, it's that experience you can't replace, which is always the challenging thing. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, tell you what, it's not a bad replacement they're bringing back, though. Oh, yeah, no, he goes all right. <laughs> yeah, he goes all right. Well, he goes like, all right. Obviously, Oti's done a lot of work, and he, yeah, he's been great for them, but I'll tell you what, if you're going to have a replacement, it's not bad to have a two-time player of the year in the mm. world. Come yeah. back, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You'll take that. You'd also take Zahn Sullivan. Like, this kid doesn't play like he's, what, 20 years old? 
No, he, he's always been mature. Like he's been one of those guys that came in to our environment. He might have still been at school or he was in the under 20s or something. And, and he was always in and around polite, just mature. You know, he's always just been reserved and, and quiet. It just goes about his work. He doesn't say too much. And, and I think you can always tell a lot about that, especially at such a young age, you know, to be in the blues environment, you know, he didn't come in with any sort of, you know, swagger or anything or, or trying to think he was, was, you know, a big deal because he was in our environment and he's still at school. Um, you know, he's just, he's just gone about his business. And I think that's the way he plays. He seems to just play yeah. cool, calm and collected. Yeah. yeah. I think the biggest thing that's probably helped him as well, Chip, is probably, you know, he's a 10. He's now now 10 and he played at school. And so, you know, the risk would be thinking, you know, let's put him at 10. And, but obviously they've got a bit of depth with there. But him going to 15 and just being able to play back and have a little bit, um, not as much responsibility as, as a young fella coming through. We've talked about a lot around a 9 and 10 in super rugby level. Um, it's pretty tough and it takes a lot of time to, to get the understandings of what it takes to be there. But I think him being a 10 and understanding what it is to be a 10 because he used to play when he was younger and that's what's natural to him. Actually coming back and having that experience of what a 10 needs as a 15, I think it's just going to help him. So he might actually transition in the next couple of years to possibly being a 10, but I think putting him at fullback to start with has been great for him. Not only uh, at Super Rugby, he played a minor 10 cup for, for Auckland as well. I hope he continues liking 15 because he looks mighty <laughs> good there. <laughs> he does. Do, does. Don't you have Roger coming, Roger coming, mate? Yeah, he, he looked good at 12, too. Jeez. <laughs> oh, these, these too many boys. players, boy. Oh, what are the, uh, you, need that depth. About the blues? you need that depth, don't yeah. you? You need that, that Crusaders you approach. Need that depth. <laughs> you, you still haven't got 10 All Blacks in the squad yet, have you? Mm, oh, you do? Nine. Nine, nine, nine. 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 So you're not quite at that Crusaders level yet. Oh, if you include Alex Hodgman, that's 10. Yeah. Yeah. Nine current. <laughs> There's been a bit of chat over the last little while about a World Club competition. Now, we know that this calendar is stacked and, you know, we have issues with getting French players and stuff down. We have, you know, all of those kind of things for international footy. This thing's on the agenda. There appear to be a couple of options, a 20-team comp from all around the world's competitions, whether it's England, France, New Zealand, um, the ultimate rugby championship, which is, you know, the South Africans now involved, right, within uh, yep. the, what was the, the Celtic League and, uh, and even MLR and the, and the top league in Japan. There's that idea in a six-week comp, or there's the, the eight-week comp with the four best sides from each hemisphere every four years, which lo looks more like a World Club Cup kind of thing um, every now and then. What do you guys make of that, starting with you, Jipper? Um, well, it's exciting, yeah. and I think it's exciting from a player's point of view to sort the argument out, <laughs> yeah. to find out what, what um, Hemisphere's club is the best. Um, so I think it's exciting from a, a spectator's point of view, fans' point of view, everyone's point of view, but it's like you say, it's getting the right um, makeup of the comp so that it, it, it works out that it's fair and gives everyone the I suppose when the when the winner's found everyone sits back and goes yep that is the best process to get there and, and that club is definitely the best so there's no if buts or maybes um, so and I'd say that's what they're working through now I'd, I don't have an opinion of which is better or worse but it, it's about giving everyone a fair opportunity to get to that final and once that final's played everyone most importantly, the fans go, yep, that, that is the best club and, and that's how they feel. And what I'm probably getting at there is, let's go back to the conference system and how it was caused a bit of yeah. discussion between fans that it wasn't quite right. We don't want to get to that is what I'm trying to say. So come up with a structure that, that keeps um, you know, fans engaged and happy that it gets to the right outcome. Yeah, you almost you use those individual competitions around the world as the conference structure, and then you go yeah. into a pool and game. and then you situation. go you go into that pool game, yeah, situation, and and whatever that looks like, if it's the top two or the top one or <coughs> whatever, um, and then there's seedings. I don't know how it would work, and I and I don't know the calendar yep. well enough, but I think it's a great mm. idea, and it's extremely exciting. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think Jimmy brought up those points. I think around that um, the twenty man comp from different other. From all around the world, all the all the competitions together. Um, it 
it'd be pretty good. I think you know you want to obviously grow the game, and if you if you're having all the kind of the clubs together from all around the world, it's only going to have more eyes on the on the product and hopefully uh, bring in more money. And probably the only thing around that is probably the the depth around some teams and some competitions. But you could do that like a two tier competition. You know, you could have a top ten or a top eight that are in the top division that are that are applying for the the best team in the world or the best club in the world, and you've got the second tier comp that's obviously um, can still be in the competition, but obviously the level of playing might be a little bit different if you think about the MLR. The other teams have only just come in, so the level of where the teams would be might be a little bit different. So having uh, you know very similar to the Mighty Ten Cup, you've got the Premiership and you've got the Championship, and you kind of go that way. So if you want to have all the teams involved, all different countries, but I think. You know, if you look around the four best teams from three hemispheres, that's probably the biggest one. If you're going to do that to understand to out and out one competition, that'd probably be the structure of the year. I just think, especially as well, if we're going to get to the point, um, you know, that we don't travel to South Africa anymore, like it's quite a cool concept for mm. our younger generation of players to look forward to touring and, and that aspect of it yep. as well. Um, all those sorts of things to keep that aspect of our game alive because I think that touring aspect's so cool it's such a cool part of, of, of rugby and, and growing up in rugby environments let me take the optimism and chuck in a bit of cynicism the old journalist pessimism here we go um, we couldn't figure out a world club a world um, calendar across all the different competitions um, part of the reason we can't figure that yes. all out is because there's clubs underneath it which cause a million different issues how the hell are they going to sort this out uh, it, it seems almost impossible. I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's impossible. I, I think there's enough want and demand, and I think that's the key point there, is the demand for it mm. will motivate people enough. Yeah, dollar bills. Well, I mean, yeah. at, at the end of the day, we want our product to be liked. And if like, I feel like these people have been screaming out for this to be answered. Yes. You know, like, who, who is the best club in the world? Yeah. What hemisphere does have the best club? You know, so if there's enough demand out there, then there, there's enough motivation to, to do the work to, to find it out. And also, as there's so many stakeholders in our game, I think there's a, if there's a lot of demand, and correct me if I'm wrong, as you're a current player, uh, Bryn, but as a recently retired player, there'd be enough um, motivation for me as a player to, to find out too. Yeah and have the opportunity yeah. to do it. Imagine, you know, like, yeah, we talk about it all the time, I think. Um, even during the lockdown period last year, we um, had Zooms with, like, Saracens and, and all that kind of stuff. So you imagine playing, you know, at Twickenham um, for a, you know, to see who's the better hemisphere between Saracens, Crusade, or the Blues or Highlands, whoever it may be. For me as a player, man, that just, you know, that's already an inviting idea of wanting to play at the best, so best I th in the world. I think so. those are the factors that will motivate a, a solution. Get it mm. going. Uh, to me, it feels like every four years is right because one of the issues that we have currently with all our competitions is probably overexposure, and people could yep. build toward this over four years and be super excited about it, right? That, or maybe every second year. Do we yeah. want something like this every year? Probably not every year, but every second year or every four. I think um, every six. And get it, yeah. get it um, maybe cyclical so it's not, you know, like not this, maybe a year after World Cup or whatever, if it was every four or however, so that there were things to look forward to, mm. you know, every year or um, every second year. Yeah, yeah. I need I need things to look forward to. <laughs> not every four, mate. <laughs> we got something to look forward to. I need stuff more regular than that. Well, this weekend we've got something to look forward to. Bryn Hall on a rugby field. Uh, you know, you've got to head off to training soon. We're recording this just before Bryn goes to training during his lunch break. Big game this weekend, Bryn. Yeah, it is. I think, you know, any time, you know, we get an opportunity to play um, as Māori, people in Māori rugby, it's always a great opportunity. And so it's a pretty settled squad, uh, pretty settled squad from last year. I don't think there's many other boys that have come in. So I guess for us, the positive is having the continuity and understanding of how we all play. So having that Moana Pacific game last year is going to benefit us. And, you know, it's a great opportunity for the Samoan um, culture as well to be able to have two two back-to-back -back test matches before their qualifying series. So... No, we're looking forward to it. I know um, there's been a lot of rain in, in Wellington, so um, hoping that's going to clear up probably in the next three, four days because yeah, it'll be a great spectacle for us um, playing running rugby in Wellington and uh, getting all the fans out and hopefully see us put on a hell of a hell of a spectacle for all our fans. It's like Both playing sides. cricket at Southampton. <laughs> it's going to be there. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty much.
Is, is there if a... we can play though, the only thing is that we can play. Obviously, the Black Caps can't play. <laughs> is there a style of play you're going into the game with, or your your structures are play what you see on the night? Because there's not a well, lot of footage you have, would there? No, there isn't. I think we can take confidence from last year when we played Moana Pacifica. Um, you know, I guess in the first week you're kind of concentrating yourself. We're probably, you know, we're, we're, we're mouldy rugby players and we have a bit, a bit of flair. And so, you know, we always want to express ourselves with ball on hand and that'll be the, the objective for us moving forward. But um, if there's a bit of rain flowing around, which is probably forecasted for the back end of the week, then again, we'll uh, make those decisions around game day and leading up towards that if we might want to alter our game. But look, for us, we want to put on a spectacle. We want our fans to be happy and be um, watching our game and saying, you know, that's the Maldives team. That's how the Maldives team play. So that'll be our, our, our mindset for sure. Awesome, mate. We'll let you get on the bus. We don't want you to miss the, the way to training. Um, big thank you to Josh Iwani for his appearance yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> He's just walked out as well. He's just for now. He's stoked to be on the show. <laughs> awesome, mate. Thanks, mate. All the best for the weekend. Thanks again, James Parsons. Mm-hmm. Cheers, lads. Another epic uh, evening of analysis uh, for the people out in TV land. Oh, Beautiful stuff. <laughs> Very good stuff. And congratulations again on the Blues winning the title, mate. Thank you, mate. I know you've been waiting for that for a long, long time. A long time. A long, long time. Great. Well, catch this weekend's game, the Māori All Blacks versus Samoa on Sky Sport and RugbyPass.com. We'll catch you again next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.